Hello, everybody. Welcome to the world's greatest Bronze Age comic book podcast, Flea Market Fantasy. I'm your co-host, Mike Allen. As always, I'm joined by... Michael Dell of the LCS Hockey Radio Show. Woo, that's right. And because I know Mike Dell likes Marvel Comics, this week we are reading a Marvel comic called Spitfire and the Troubleshooters. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> now, this is from, uh, what year is this, 86? 86. And, and we're doing Spitfire and the Troubleshooters issue one. Right. And you have to get in early if you want to read Spitfire and the Troubleshooters because it changes its title like three times in right. the span of 13 issues. Very so confusing. Later on, it just becomes Spitfire. I, I don't even know when, like around issue eight or something. And then uh, it only lasts 13 issues. And then towards the end, it's codenamed Spitfire. Right, right. So Ridiculous. can you think of another comic book that had three titles in a span of 13 issues? Oh, <laughs> I cannot. I cannot. No. Yeah, I don't think anyone else ever has. I don't think it exists. Uh, but Michael, this Spitfire, this is uh, New Universe. Marvel's yes. New Universe. We did a New Universe. You picked a New Universe book before. Uh, what was that? Starbrand. Starbrand, right. right. <laughs> Written by the great Jim Shooter, yep. if I remember. Child Prodigy. So would you just like to remind the kids uh, what the New Universe was? Well, it was Jim Shooter's way of celebrating Marvel's 25th anniversary. His bright idea was, <laughs> we've got... Because what better way to celebrate the 25th anniversary than trying to kill the company? Right. right. It's like, we've got the best-selling comics in the industry. Let's just create all new characters. <laughs> and let's get somewhat second-rate creators, some first, but some second-rate creators, to do a bunch of books that vaguely resemble other Marvel characters, but they're set somewhat in the real world. That was the original plan. Yeah, the and, tagline was the world outside your window. It was right. going to be like uh, a more reality-based superhero world. No magic, no aliens, uh, as realistic as you can get with right. superhero books. So what did they do right away? What, some of the, a lot of the original books had magic and aliens. <laughs> <laughs> so <that's>, exactly. <laughs> I know. Uh, there, there were eight books, right? Yes. I think eight original titles. And uh, our, our buddy uh, Spitfire that we're reading today, it was one of four books that got whacked after year one. Right, right. So it wasn't long for the world. No. Nope. And I remember Spitfire. as a kid reading the news that, you know, they were canceling four of the books. And the editors were like, nothing to worry about. Hulk was canceled after six issues. These things <laughs> happen. But yeah, then like a year or two later, so they were all canceled. So wait, you're telling me if I uh, wait long enough, uh, I could get another run at Kickers Incorporated? I hope Would so. I be able to... Yeah. <laughs> we need. We should do. We should read Kickers Incorporated because for those who don't uh, know, that was a base like a, uh, a a group of football players start to work like private eyes or something, right? Wasn't that? I, you know, that's one I never read. But then again, on <laughs> Flea Market Fantasy, you never know what's coming down the pike, right? Yes. So. Kicker's Inc. All right, so Spitfire and the Troubleshooters, though, it was created... Uh, well, the creators here that are for the issue that we're reading, it's Jerry Conway and Herb Trimpey. Right. And we've talked about them all, many times on the show. But the creators of the series were actually Elliot R. Brown and Jack Morelli. Now, do you know anything about these people? Uh, Elliot Brown, I've definitely heard of. I don't know. Is, isn't he primarily like a, a letterer or something? Or am I wrong about that? That's Jack Morelli. Oh, okay. 
Jack Morelli was primary a le- primarily a letterer, although he did write a couple books, uh, including a uh, Peter Parker annual in 1998 with Electra. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> so a tie into our last week's show. Uh, now, this Elliot R. Brown fella, he doesn't even have a Wikipedia entry or anything, so I, I really wasn't finding much about him. But then right before the show, I figured out, I'll Google him up, see what happens. And he has a website, ElliotRBrown.com, where it's, I, I should really go through it more when I have time, but he has, like, uh, he worked in the Marvel bullpen from, like, 70, uh, I don't know, 8 to, like, 95 or something. Wow. And okay. he, he liked to take pictures. So he has a mm. bunch of like uh, photo galleries of the Marvel bullpen over those years, and in particular, he has a tribute to Mark Grunwald. Nice. He has like an eight-part series to Mark Grunwald, and there's one uh, a series of photos about Tom DeFalco. Oh, cool! And uh, so, if you want to go through and like see some old pictures of old school Marvel stuff, you might want to look at ElliotRBrown.com. It seems like he did some art for like um, Punisher Armory. Remember that series mm. where it's oh yeah, like a the schematics and stuff for his weapons. And, uh, but it seems like he was just, uh, in, worked in editorial and, you know, was just around the offices. Sure. Uh, apparently, okay. uh, he has a brief bio on that website and apparently his mother worked for like the advertising agency that was in charge of placing all the ads in Marvel comics. Really? Okay. So her agency, Marvel would send them like books every month to like check out or whatever. And then she would bring them home for him when he was a little kid. So that's how he got into comics, and uh, okay. and then he got a job there. And look at that! But that's all <laughs> I could find about him. So yeah, those two guys were responsible for creating Spitfire and the Troubleshooters, and they were planning to write the first issue. And they, uh, when Brown went into Bob Harris's office to show him uh, the first half of issue one, he, he found out that Harris had already purchased a complete script from Jerry Conway. Jeez, really? <laughs> Jerry Conway that snuck in there. So uh, Conway continued to write the book. Uh, he, I think he did the first six issues. Yeah, l- listen to this, Michael. The only thing they had more than titles, uh, writers and artists. <laughs> because uh, Jerry Conway did the first six. Roy Thomas uh, also got credited with issue five. Okay. So that took two men to write issue five. Okay. Conway and Roy Thomas. Uh, someone named Carrie Bates took over at issue six. Oh, I know Carrie Bates. Carrie Bates is a famous Superman and Captain Adam writer. That could be why I have no idea who he is. There you go. And he's six through ten. Then uh, I don't know how to say this fellow's last name, but he's very famous. Fabian Nicieza. Yeah, Nicieza. I think I don't know. Nicieza. He did issue eleven. Len Kaminsky. Yeah. Did issue 12, and Sandy Plunkett did issue 13. So that's Sandy a lot Plunkett. of writers. Yeah, kind issues. of a lack of direction there, eh? And I guess when uh, Carrie Bates came in, he, he whacked, because Carrie is a fella, like you said, right, mm-hmm. Carrie? Uh, yep. he, he, he whacked the troubleshooters. He just Ooh. got rid of the troubleshooters. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. And he also, uh, I guess uh, the original... Spitfire armor also got blown up or something. So we'll we'll talk about the characters here in a minute. Sure, but it be- it became like an espionage book. So it changed in direction. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty drastic change in direction. Okay. Let, like the main uh, villain in this issue that we're reading today, he he dies in like issue five or something. So they just go in a whole different route. With wow. The book. Okay. So in terms of art, uh, our buddy Herb Trimpy, right, uh, rhymes with shrimpy. Mm-hmm. He drew issues one, two, one, two, and five. Ron Wagner did issue three. 
Some guy named Todd McFarlane drew issue four. Never heard of him. Vincent Giarano did issue six. Alan Kupperberg, who we've mm. heard, we've talked about him before on the show, right? Yep. X-Men at the Texas State Fair. Right, right. He did uh, Spitfire and the Troubleshooters issues seven through nine. Marshall Rogers did issue 10 from uh, Silver Surfer fame, right? Right, Marshall right. Rogers. Grant Meme did issue 11, never heard of him. Javier Salteris did issue 12. Okay, heard of him. And Dan Hoover and Sandy Plunkett were both credited with uh, issue 13. So huh. Sandy Plunkett wrote and did some art there for issue 13. How nice. about that? But uh, yeah, a lot of artists and a lot of writers. It's a wonder it got canceled, eh? <laughs> yeah, it's a real mystery. Mm -hmm. So what else can you tell us about Spitfire and the Troubleshooters, Michael? Well, I mean, nothing that you don't know, probably. I mean, other than that, it was, I guess it was the second, it was... One of the first two books, right? Along with Starbrand, I think. Yeah, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. And I'll also have you know that this month... Actually, I believe July. July is the 35th anniversary of this issue. Wow. Is it 35th or 30th? 35th. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a celebration. Yeah. Spotlighted on flea market fantasy. <laughs> All right, well, maybe we should just get right into it, because I know everyone's very excited for this. Yes, waiting on, waiting on bated breath. <laughs> um, so, yeah, first of all, i got to point out, we have I've mentioned this before, but we have the slightly updated Marvel logo. You notice that? The Marvel font is different. Uh, okay, in the <laughs> okay. corner box you're, corner you're box, talking yep. about. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, so, yeah, this was a Marvel book, but this was the New Universe imprint. So, um, across the top, we have the New Universe logo, right? Plus a black like um what is this called like a frame or border yeah. around the whole cover yeah and they put that new universe at the top just so you know to avoid it at all costs <laughs> don't don't whatever you do do not purchase this book right yeah. uh so yeah we got the uh marvel m 75 cents or 95 cents in canada 40 pence in the uk <laughs> that's right uh we got the logo here spitfire and the troubleshooters Spitfire, the logo, it's got these two, um, I guess, targets, or what are those called? Um, you know, like a... Uh, yeah, yeah. like uh, yeah, marksman well, eyesight thing, right, scope right. sights or whatever. Scope, right. But yeah, all the letters are capital except for the eyes. They're lowercase, and the the dots over the eyes are like the little target things right. or whatever. Oh, and I should mention, we got the corner box with Spitfire, but we'll talk about Spitfire in a minute. So this cover is a kind of a... You know, I want to say classic, but we'll say typical Marvel cover of the time. Um, Let's look at that uh, real quick, that Spitfire up in the corner box, because I was really confused by it. It looks like that's his knee... Com uh, by the way, Spitfire's a ribbit. I mean, it's yeah, a... Yeah, well, a, uh, yeah, suit, a suit, yeah. Yeah, suit of armor. And, uh, like, I thought that was his knee, but I guess he's holding something in his left arm. Oh, one of his tools. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Which we'll talk about later. Like, yes. I was like, that leg is so messed up. And I'm like, oh, right. wait, he's holding something. All right. Yeah. Yeah, he has like interchangeable, like one is a drill, one is something else. It's very ready-made for a toy, I would argue, but anyway. So we've got yeah. this, yeah, so basically this is, and, and what, earlier when I said that these characters resemble other superheroes, this is basically their version of Iron Man, right? So we've got yeah. this suit of armor flying through the air. We don't know who it is yet, we'll find out later. But um, bulkier than Iron Man, all red. 
And the faceplate is kind of like, I guess, kind of T-shaped. So there's yeah. kind of like an area for the eyes, but then it's like a window for the eyes, but the window also goes down almost like into a T to, to show their face, but it's all just like a mirror, you know, it's reflective glass. We can't see what's behind it. And then we and, see... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, we got, we got five people clinging. We, we should say it's a suit of armor, but it's not like Iron Man in the sense that, uh, you know, it, it's like a suit right, right on Tony Stark. This is a giant robot right. where, like, the controller goes inside and, like, controls it with mechanisms. Right, yeah, it's not something. the same proportions as a human body. It's, like, double yes. the size or something, right? It'll, yeah, even bigger. Yeah, yeah, bigger. So these people who are hanging on, yeah, are, like, yeah, like, they look like children compared to this thing. So we've got one, two, three, four, five people, which we find out later are the troubleshooters, right? <laughs> and uh, they're college kids from MIT. Right. The Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Right. right? And one, one of the guys yeah. has that on his shirt. Yep. And um, we should also point out, oh, I was going to say something else, but I don't remember what it was. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say, um, you notice there's no dialogue or text on this cover which at the time yes. was unusual so that was, was probably it i think in so. 86 i think in 86 uh, they're getting away from that weren't they were they? getting away from it but i think it was a conscious choice because right. it's the new universe this is not the marvel <laughs> universe it's the new universe but anyway so yeah we uh, open up the book here mid story and uh we've got a character named dr carl swenson or svenson who is about to be crushed by this big um, hunk of machinery. And he's being threatened by someone off camera. We don't see who it is. And the narrator's like, his name is Carl Svensson. He has exactly 13 seconds to live. 11 seconds, 8 seconds. And as he's, as the, the countdown is going, this person or thing off camera is threatening them. And, you know... We can, um, we can tell it's a robot. Yes, we see a hand. True. <laughs> and he's like... Um, meanwhile, he's trying to like... You know, he knows he's only got a few seconds to live, so he's like, Robots! Remote control! So he tries to activate <laughs> these, um, kind of like, I don't know what you'd call these look more like, you know, um, real robots. Like, just like a big box with, like, two arms, like, on wheels. And so this box attacks the other robot, evil robot, <laughs> and the evil robot crushes its hand. And then the robot's like, couple of thousand volts might have fried me if it weren't for the suit you built. So let's see how you like it, Doc. So then this robot, or the suit, or whatever it is, fries <laughs> Dr. Svensson. And then Dr. Svensson dies. But then we see that this suit or robot is carrying a safe. And they're like, with or without... Oh, with or without you, we get what's ours. And so then the robot or suit walks out of the room. And it's got the safe, right? Yeah. yeah. And then we cut to the splash page of a bunch of college students the same ones from the cover, in a library, and it says beginnings in big letters. And we see that they are kind of... Well, um, it's, it's someone's office, right? What's that? They're, they're, they're playing a little oh, prank. Oh, yeah, it's like, a, it's like a study, whatever you want to call it, yeah. It's someone's office. Like, uh, I forget who it is. Like, uh, Chairman it, Dibble catches you okay. planting a tractor on his new carpeting there. Okay. Yeah, so they're, they're assembling a farm tractor inside the... Uh, the chairman's office has a prank. These crazy college kids. <laughs> and this is where this is why Jerry Conway was like, "Screw Elliot R. Brown and Jack Morelli. I'm writing this thing. <laughs> yes. I got I got to dialogue this stuff." Anyway, so yeah, because I don't write enough, Jerry Conway. <laughs> Good lord. 
You could have let these two kids write some new universe books, Jerry Conway. What the fuck? So yeah, so they're trying to piece it together, and they're they're all bickering and quipping back and forth. And then just in the middle of that, all of a sudden, someone walks in. Who is it? It's one of their professors, um, Professor Svensson, or Swenson. I don't know how you pronounce that. It's a W. Uh, I'm going to go, yeah, I'll just go Swenson. Swenson, Jenny Swenson. Professor Swenson, huh, same name as the character that just died, right? So they're like, so she's like, oh, you guys playing another prank? And they're like, oh, it's going to be funny. And then she's like, well, if you're going to do it, I might as well help you. And then just at that same time, <clears throat> um, someone is outside that wants to talk to Dr. Swenson. And so, wait, where is it? Oh, she's like, oh, I hear someone coming down the corridor. And then we see this cool overhead shot of like, it's like overhead shot of the office. Now, I don't know. I'm assuming that's supposed to be like, there's, there is supposed to be a ceiling there, but we can see through it, I assume. But like, yes. her, <clears throat> it's like three panels. She comes out of the room, walks down like a you know in front of the wall, and then comes around the other the corner. But as she's walking, it's like, it's almost like one big picture split up into three, almost like something Alan Moore would do. But apparently, other people also did it. And so um, yeah, if Alan Moore did it or had done it had done it, <laughs> there would be little woodland fairies somewhere oh, in the background. Oh, got him again. <laughs> so then uh, zing. Yep. So then we, um, so then we're cutting back and forth between. Oh, and then and the college kids are listening through like the mail slot. They're listening to what's going on, and basically these are two detectives, and they're here to talk to Dr. Swenson to tell her that her father is dead, right? <laughs> but I like that the college kids just walk out on the ledge of the building. Yeah. I don't care what you guys say. I'll never get used to this. And then he says, "Ledge walking is a toot tradition, Chin." is what they call MIT. Right, we should, have, we should have mentioned that, yeah. For the Institute. Now, quiet, and let's listen. Yeah, because just walk along the ledge of a building. You couldn't have walked in the hall and got out to the door in the hallway. No, 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 no. Walk along the edge of the building. <laughs> so, yeah, so then the detectives are like, Dr. Carl Swenson, he's dead. Freak lab, a- freak lab accident, it looks like. But, of course, we have to check it out. Sorry, miss. She's like, Daddy, no, oh, no. And that's it. And, like, and, Tr- and Trimpy <laughs> cut some corners on drawing her face there, huh? Like yeah. he just uh, hit. <laughs> it's like a, a smooth mannequin face behind some fingers. Right. <laughs> yeah, kind of weird. <laughs> and then we cut straight to a funeral. Um, and you know everyone's standing around, and um, and then Doctor Swenson is talking to this guy named Mr. Croats. Mr. Croats. Croats. K-R-O-T-Z-E. Croats. <laughs> Z-E. Yeah. Come on, Canadian. Z- uh-uh. The proper way. Gotta say it the proper way. <laughs> so then anyway, so he's like, oh yeah, by the way, you've got 24 hours to get all your personal property out of his lab. And yeah, because like, I guess her dad was working for him in his research right. and uh, development stuff. Right, so, right. Yeah. And so then she leaves, the funeral's done, and then we cut back to... Um, Port Croats, where this guy worked, where apparently Dr. or S- J- Jennifer Swenson's father was, who just died. So now she's going in with this like security guard who's watching her, but she's going to go in and try and get as much of her personal property back before, you know, 10 a.m. And while she's Yeah, this in- guy, this Croats fella, he owns like an enormous like compound area. Right. So right. her dad's house was on this compound. Right, right. And it was connected to his lab and everything. So, yeah. Right. And then she's like, huh dad's personal computer 
And she's like, I wonder if... And then the guy's like, five minutes, you got five minutes. She's like, I hear you. And I love these scenes when people try to guess passwords and they get it on the first guess. Because <laughs> I can't even get it on the first guess on my own computer, you know? But of course, she's like, what was that? She tried a few. She tried a few. Well, I think head, it was like third. But she's like, what would dad pick? Mom's maiden name? Plank's constant? Wait a minute. My old password from the Stanford computer and dad's pet name for me when I was a kid. Spitfire. And then she reads uh. this message. It comes up on the computer and it says, Jenny, if you're reading this, then I must be dead. Don't let Croats. All right. 10 a.m. Miss Svensson, Swenson. And then so that's it. She doesn't get to read the rest of the message, right? Yeah, she blocks the screen. But Mike, how lucky is she in uh, the creators of this book that her nickname was Spitfire and not like a little stinky? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> little stinky, a little in the stinky the in the Yep. <laughs> um, and then she's like, "I need more time," and he's like, "Sorry, miss, I don't make the rules. See ya." So she's like, "Okay," and then she's like, "I've got to read that message, right?" So now we've yeah. got tension and suspense, right? She's got to read that message. So then now she's um. So then she goes back to her office or whatever, and she's like, and she calls Mr. Croats because she wants to find out if she can get back in there. And then uh, the secretary or whatever is like, yes, I'll, or she's like, yes, I'll hold. Yes, he knows me in Europe. But you just said, uh, never mind. Don't bother telling him I called. So Croats is in Europe, I'll bet. And then we cut, <laughs> o- <laughs> and then we cut over to her uh, doing some martial arts training. Some kung fu. Kung she knows fu the kung specific. fu. Yeah, and then and then the sensei is like, um, "You act from anger, not inner strength." I'm disappointed. You oh. must ride through your anger, or it will destroy you. And Again, just like, like Electra, just right. like last week with there Electra. Yeah. Yep, all ties together. And then she's like, "Sorry, Dad always said I had a redhead's temper. That's why he called me Spitfire." A little, little stinky. Yeah, <laughs> that's why she that's why he called me little stinky. <laughs> so then, um. So then she takes off in her car, <laughs> and then she's like thinking, like, "Huh." And now her car is like from the 1930s. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like it's like an old, <laughs> and it's got like one of the, like the wooden like doors, yeah. kind of right, kind of cool. And then so she's like, "I've got to read that message." But with the armed guards and dads on security, can I pull it off? I could sure use a small army, like a certain five-member juggernaut I could name. You know what they mean there, right, Mikdell? The troubleshooters. The troubleshooters. They are right? juggernaut. Well, we don't really, uh, we didn't really explain who they are or name them because I cannot tell you any of their names or anything. <laughs> I know that there's uh, one black girl, one Asian guy, and three white guys. Right. That's all I know. Diversity. I can't, I can't tell you anything about any. Can you <laughs> name a troubleshooter? Uh, no. Do they even have names? I think <laughs> I they do. I have no idea. Oh, well. Well, one's kind of like uh, Joe Pesci and my cousin Vinny. He seems like uh, a little Italian fella. The Stop one talking uh, streetwise. The one uh, fiddling around with. Oh, is that a subway sandwich? <laughs> I don't even know like what that is. is. Yeah. So anyway, one guy's got glasses as well. That's his character. Right. He that's his character. Right. One guy's got a uh, red hair. That's his character. Yeah. Uh, and then we have an Asian and a, and a black girl. Anyway. So then, uh, so then, uh, Doctor uh, Jen Swenson comes back in, and she's like, "Oh, you guys planning another prank?" Blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, well, you know what? I actually need your help for something. 
Um, but we should mention, though, they were planning a, a prank, quote unquote, where they're going to sabotage the Yale boat in the upcoming like boat race. Okay. They're going to hide a wire in the boat and then heat it up so the boat splits in half and kills the crew. <laughs> Wait, what? That's what they, what they say. <laughs> well, they, they didn't say it was going to kill the crew. But that would be the result. Okay. Yeah. They would clearly all drown because okay. of the troubleshooters. Yeah. But it's just a prank. It'd be so worth a few worry about laughs. Anyway. <laughs> yes. Um, so they're like, oh yeah, and so this is funny because then she's like, um, kind of suggests that she needs help. And then one of the guys is like, hey professor, after two years in your structural engineering class, I do just about anything for you. Uh, I, I mean, you always yeah. help me. Uh, that is, uh, all of us, you know. See, a little subtext yeah, there, right? I like that's it. That's the My Cousin Vinny guy. And uh, now I got a question though. He's been in her class for two years. Right. Is he smart enough to be a troubleshooter? I think like, so. Shouldn't that just be a one-year class? Like, do you take uh, two years? question. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway. Then, so. But, but she says, no, I can't get you guys involved. I can't. I can't. It's my problem. I don't want to get you kids in trouble. So she says, I'll figure it out on my own. Right. But then she's like, wait, what am I doing? Am I actually considering involving these kids in my plan? I, I'd better go. So yeah, then she says, yeah, I'm out of here. No, this is my problem. And then they're like, huh, fat chance sounds like a little larceny's afoot. And Jenny needs our help. So they're going to help her anyway, right? Yeah. Woo! So then it cuts over to her standing outside of the, was it Lartz? What's his name? Croats. Croats compound. And then just as she's looking, there was this big explosion of fire. And she's <laughs> just like, a prank. Yeah. Just a prank. There you go. <laughs> and we hear the alarm go off. Aruga, aruga. She's like, well, 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 just when I needed a little distraction. There go Croats' guards. So then she's like, very convenient. So she runs in. She goes into the house. And sh lo and behold, there's somebody already in there. And who is it? The troubleshooters. So then she's like, are you yeah. nuts? You're committing a crime. You could be arrested. Think of the risk. And they're like, you know <laughs> what we're... Sorry, we know what we're risking. That's what friends are for. Oh, isn't that nice? Michael, do you think it's weird that uh, Jenny Swenson, the professor, doesn't know the troubleshooters are going to be there, yet when they all get there, they're all wearing black turtlenecks and white pants. <laughs> that's, like, that's a that's good great. point. They're all dressed the same. You're right. Oh my God, that's, I didn't notice that. That's pretty nuts. Wow. Okay. They all think alike. And shop at the same place. So, <laughs> so then she, uh, so then she goes to her computer, punches in her password again, a little stinky, and uh, and then she's like, for several seconds, she reads in silence, once catching her breath in shock, and then she's like, Max, this is all about Max, but we don't know what Max is yet. And then she's like, this is what Dad was working on before he was killed, and they're like, killed? <sighs> then you're sure? After reading Dad's messages, I'm sure. A door opens up and we see a giant, what is he called? A robot? A robot. A, a giant robot. red robot. And I should uh, point out, this robot does not really have feet. Yeah, it's like our wheels or something. Yeah, it's kind of like know. sideways wheels. They're weird. <laughs> yeah. And we should say, uh, she says, meet Max. Man Amplified Experiment. <laughs> That's life work. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't just call it May? <laughs> yeah. Man amplified. That's kind of weird. Anyway. Uh, and by the way, we should point out that uh, I guess the point of these experiments they were doing, this Croats fella, 
They were looking, uh, again, Michael, this reminds me very much of the Alpha Flight story we did. Okay. Because remember, uh, like the, the premise here is that her dad was working on a robot to help in the construction industry, to help mm. with industrial like uh, construction and you know manufacturing of things and doing stuff like that. And this Croats fellow wanted to make it into a military weapon, so that's why her dad got in trouble with Croats. They you know crossed heads. And do you remember that Alpha Flight book we did, um, Hudson? Jennifer Didn't Hudson? she break? Didn't she, uh, is that, was that her? Was, was it Jennifer? Her? No. Jennifer that's Hudson's a singer. Someone yeah. else, yeah. <laughs> Kate Hudson? I have no idea. No, that's an actress. Heather Hudson. He- Heather Hudson. There you go. Uh, so, but do you remember she broke into like a lab and stole a, a suit? Right. I'm not imagining that, right? No, like I think that happened. right, yeah. Yeah. So it's like the same exact thing. Huh. Kind of uh, generic, eh? Yeah. Oh, well. Now, and that Alpha Flight was before this, right? Yes, definitely. That was like 82-ish, and this is 86, so. Yeah. So, so she's... And, oh, oh one other thing about Max. If we're looking at Max, he's a giant red robot. The design's not that flashy. No? It's kind of like, you know, kind of blah robot design. And now, but apparently that's what the creators wanted. They, they thought that the uh, Iron Man suit was too smart and too slick. Okay. They wanted kind of like a dumb, like a garbage can with legs. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. So how do you feel about this design for... Uh, uh, well, you know, here's the thing. I appreciate the idea of trying to make the new, new universe more realistic. So, you know, if you think about Iron Man's costume, by the time Steve Ditko like, uh, redesigned it, it basically just looked like spandex. It was so form-fitting, right? Yeah. At least this looks like something that could actually exist in reality, I think. Yeah, I... Like, I didn't like the design at all, but when I hear, like, that's what they're going for, uh, I would have preferred it even more blocky or, like, uh, like the original Iron Man suit more. You right, know, that, right. Because yeah. I think red's too flashy. Yeah, could, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that, too. Like, why make it red? Because Iron Man's red. Yeah. Red and yellow, so. And if, you, and if you're trying to make it, like, a garbage can with legs, right, maybe just right. make it steel gray. But, uh, right. I don't know. Now, the other, um, th- this is one detail I thought was a little bit unnecessary, is that she specifies... The ultimate heavy-duty construction machine, the final prototype, Model 2. Apparently, Kropes has Model 1. Bigger, bulkier, Dad Dad held off giving him this model. I think it would have been better if maybe she didn't know about Model 1 or they didn't know about Model 2, but we'll get to that later. So then she's like, because he began to suspect Kroats lied to him about his plans for Max. And then the troubleshooters are like, wow, wow, wow. (laughs) Yeah, they literally have three of them say wow. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So then, okay, this again leads to my theory that this is ready built for like to be a toy, right? Then she hits a button. And this is a little bit confusing the way it's set up. But see, yeah, this makes no yeah, sense. See, like, <laughs> it's hard to tell what's happening, but apparently walls are moving up and they're like, oh no, they're moving down. Yeah, I think they're coming down. Yeah, they're coming right? down because like uh, there were no walls in this big room and now there's walls coming down and they're like, what are these walls for, Jenny? And she's like, um, until, now, until now, I never understood why dad built the lab this way. He must have become suspicious of Croats, blah, blah, blah. She's like, you'll see. Dad wanted to be able to move his equipment at a moment's notice. And then it cuts, and all of a sudden, you see three trucks, like cup truck cabs. And then when it cuts to the wide shot, we realize that the big four walls drop down. And apparently, the entire lab was built inside these trucks. And the walls coming down were like the, in, the, the walls of the trailers. 
So yeah, basically this, it's this mobile. Is, this is ridiculous. This is just... Well, <laughs> the, here's the thing. just is, trying to come up with an idea how they can get, get his lab somewhere else. Oh, I know. He built it inside of 18-wheeler uh, cabs. But like the the uh, the actual trucks are at the be or also within inside this building and see, no one ever yeah. questioned the fact that these trucks were in there. It would make sense if they designed like a, <laughs> a, a a cool futuristic looking like three designs instead of just three regular looking transport trucks. That's the problem, I think. You know? Yeah, it's, it's just very. It's just not. I don't know. It's trying to think of a uh, easy way to get the office moved somewhere else. Right, well, it's just right. having it in trucks. But right. when you when you sit when you really think about it and break it down, this would not work. No, it, it just would not work. The spacing, uh, it, it just doesn't doesn't work. Right, <laughs> it does right, not right. work at all. <clears throat> no, but here, Jerry Conway doing <laughs> smart stuff. Or is it Elliot uh, Brown and Jack Morelli or whatever his name is? We don't know, right? Maybe it was their idea. Well, well they only wrote the first half of their like Conway wrote this. So. Oh, okay. But, I but then fly, again, they could okay. have had the idea though. They, yeah, yeah, they could they have, have had have. the. Yeah. But who knows. But uh, it's kind of like they're trying to cash in on Transformers as well, right, a little bit. Right, right. That's what I was thinking. Like, that's why I say it feels ready-made to be a toy. They were competing with like Transformers and masks and all that stuff. So, yeah. So anyway, so then they uh, take off and the guards are shooting at them, but they get away, of course. <laughs> and again, Jenny Swenson, college professor, five college kids all know how to drive eighteen wheelers. Of course, <laughs> of course. Yep. A little bit far-fetched. A little bit far fetched. <laughs> so then we cut back to the Croats International Main Headquarters complex. And now we get uh, Croats explaining about how he's got Max Model 1. And, you know, um, he's like, uh, well, he's talking to this other guy. And they're like, oh, he intended the Max as a multi environment construction device designed to facilitate large scale engineering projects by utilizing the most remarkable machine of all, the human body. By enhancing a person's natural strength through computerized amplification, the Max is a more economical and efficient machine than anything currently used. Cranes, dozers, all would become cumbersome and obsolete. Isn't that cool? So then uh, we see the machine, Max 1, flying around, shooting a like little like drone jet shooting it and then um Croats gets a phone call and finds out uh about what just happened with uh jenny svenson or Sven swenson she's like Croats, this better be what gone what do you mean gone <laughs> i see no stay there i'll handle this phelan get your team together we're giving model one its first field test so and then, we should say model one is gray yes like silver model gray. one this, yeah. so this is similar to spitfire but this is model one so yeah it's a little bit different and it's gray yeah and so now we see this overhead shot of max one or whatever it's called flying in the air and in this like limousine is uh Croats and what's the other guy's name it doesn't matter it doesn't matter so they're driving <laughs> yeah so they're driving along and we cut to this um <sighs> this uh quarry and we see the three transport trucks have pulled up to the top of it. So they're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And so like they're trying to figure out what to do. And then all of a sudden, Jenny's like, I'm going to show you or whatever. Like, you'll see. So then she goes in and um, she like gets inside. So yeah, this is, again, we talked about the size difference. So she like actually climbs into the armor. And, you know, it's probably, like we said, about two or three times bigger than she is. So she gets in and then walks out. And as we said on the cover, how she's holding that doohickey. Well, on the cover, the doohickey is, is colored red, but here it's blue. So it stands out from her body. But she's like, you need like a, a better... grayish 
a yeah. grayish blue, I would say. So yeah. she's like, we need a better hiding place for dad's lab, right? So let's make one. And they're like, wow, that suit looks even bigger when it's moving. She's like, that weird thing. Oh, she's like, oh, the weird thing is I don't feel any bigger because uh, the suit's computerized. Computer compensates for size and mass, blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, now, if this digging tool dad designed works as well as the rest of Spitfire, we'll have a hiding place no time. And it basically looks like a big, pff, I don't even know what, like a big kettle. <laughs> you know, and then on the bottom it has like these little, they're supposed to be like, things that dig but they're i don't know they're just like little shapes and then she points it at this wall and starts digging a hole through this wall and it creates this big hole right yeah when you're saying wall like a, yeah, a, like side a, of a mountain. rock wall a yeah. wall of rock yeah, yeah. yeah like a cliff face or whatever it's called so then uh so then she she builds she crack she makes the hole and then they're chatting it up and all of a sudden jenny look out and then from the sky comes max one and Max One knocks her over. She's kind of like sticking halfway out of the suit. And then this Max One knocks her over and she kind of falls. And she drops her kettle. And then the suits, and then the <laughs> Max One is like, Max One to co convoy, found him, sir. So then Max One lands and then she like puts her helmet over her face. And then the machine, or the Max One is shooting at her, patam. And then it, the bullets <laughs> bounce off the helmet, pating, patang, katang, whatever. And then she's like, uh, clear out, kids. I've got Spitfire. Leave this to me. And so then we cut to an interior shot of her sweating as she's like looking at like the computer readout, trying to figure out what to do. She's like, Spitfire's trans transducer is showing an overload. I should let the system cool before I reset to full power. Yeah, that's what I should do. But I wasn't cut out to play <laughs> Carnival Duck while some creep in a tin suit practices his marksmanship. So then she just flies towards uh, Max One. And uh, Max One is like, Are you crazy? Not crazy creep, just mad. Mad at you and mad at the man who sent you. Croats was right. Or Croats, right? Say it was Croats. And then, and then he goes, lucky punch. Won't happen again. So yeah, they're kind of quipping as they're fighting. And uh, now they're up in the air. And um, what is this here? I don't remember this. Oh yeah, and then she's like, ever since dad died, I've denied my anger. But I was wrong. The sensei was wrong. I need to be angry. And then uh, Max One uh, crashes into the like quarry, like the water, this little wa water that's in this quarry. She's like, that's why I have the edge over you. In a way, I'm sorry you didn't last longer. Fem. And then I guess Max uh, explodes out of the water. And, and, then, and then she says, glad to hear it, babe. Oh, no, that's her. That's, that's Max One <laughs> shooting her. Sorry. Yes. And then, yes. He f and then she falls into the water. And then Max One is like, now let's finish what we started my way. But the troubleshooters are going to help out, right? Or maybe they're not. So then... Um, <laughs> they don't want to get their turtlenecks dirty. Right, they're hiding right, behind some rocks. Right. So they're kind of like narrating. They're like, Andy, can you see them? The water's so dark. Over there, Terry, something's shining where all those bubbles are. Jenny and the other Max. It's got Jenny in a lock. She looks helpless. And then the limousines all pull up to the edge of the quarry. And, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Um, Scopes. Croats. Scroats. Croats. Croats. <laughs> She's like, she has stolen my property. I intend to get it back. Once we have subdued Ms. Uh, Ms. Swenson, I will turn her over to the police. So meanwhile, underwater, uh, Max One and Spitfire are fighting. And uh, Spitfire is like, lubricating oil. Oh, oh, she's like, she shoots something at him. And he's like, yeah, what is that stuff? And she's like, lubricating oil, creep, enough to blind you. Give me the half a second I need to loop up behind you and do this and then i guess she like uses one of her tools to like 
vibrate his helmet or vibrate his head. <laughs> she just punches him in the head. <laughs> oh, I thought she was using a tool, but I guess she just punches him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then she double punches him. Yep. And then she's like, to do this and this and this. And then she's dragging him out of uh, the water. And they're like, Jenny, you did it. And then the, uh, the limousines are all like, F this. So they start driving away. And then she grabs one of her doohickeys, right? And she's like, dad outfitted Spitfire with all kinds of construction tools, drills, torches, lasers, and high-powered titanium Teflon buzzsaw. Oh, wait. All <laughs> kinds of construction. Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> weird. Anyway. And mm-hmm. then she like kind of like is like taking it apart and snapping it together. She's like, he wanted the Max itself to be a tool. But Croats saw the suit's military potential. So then she jumps and lands on top of the um, limousine. And then she uses this like uh, kind of like chainsaw. She's like, more than a tool. The Max is a weapon. And so she cuts open the roof of the limousine and pulls Croats out. Maybe the deadliest weapon on Earth. Right, Croats? Right. Oh, please don't. And she's like holding the like, uh, what is that called? The buzzsaw? Yeah, buzzsaw. Kind of like right next to his face. And then she's like, wait, no. Dad built the suit to help people, not hurt them. And now look at, now look what you're, you're, now look at what you're doing. Ride through the anger. Let it go, or it will destroy you. <laughs> Somehow I've, I'll find proof you killed him, Croats. So she, like, kind of throws him. <laughs> and he's, like, running away. And when I do, I'll come for you. There's no place you can hide from Spitfire. And then you think it's the end, but then it says epilogue. So then they're riding along on the three trucks, and they're basically like, well, you know, I guess we're going to go hide out or whatever uh, in New Hampshire. And, uh, and then they're like, well, what are we going to do? You know, it's going to take a while to get there. What are we going to do? Anybody know a good road song? And one of them's like, a Googleplex bottles of beer on the wall. A Googleplex bottles of beer. If. And then the other one goes, groan. Teresa, you had to ask. Wah, wah, wah. The end. And then yeah. it says, next. Spitfire meets Starbrand in Starbrand number two. Then it's back here next month for a deadly battle with the Black Behemoth. Woo! <laughs> All right. And let's just review if you're keeping score at home. Uh, Jenny Swenson, a college professor, has just uh, made five of her students felons. True. And uh, they're all on the run from the police now because they all just stole stuff from this Kurtz fella. And they're all on the lam. And they're living in three 18 wheelers with no money or visible means of support. Yet they're going to That's somehow true. survive. So. That's true. This is terrible, but yeah. I think it's great, um. but anyway. <laughs> I think, here's the thing. I always loved Jerry Conway. He's one of my favorite writers, but I think this was written over a weekend. You <laughs> it know? definitely seems like it. Yes. Yeah. He heard they were almost done with their script, and he's like, I got to get that check. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he hammered it out. Because like this premise... It, the premise itself is fine, I guess, but like they're driving around in eighteen wheelers on the run from the cops now, and it's like, what? Like, how is this a foundation for? Like, they should have just kept it at the college. Uh, her, n- no one realizing that she's like Croats doesn't know that she's Spitfire. You know, like do that kind of thing with it. Um, keep it anchored in some sort of reality because this is just lunacy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, you know, it's like we said, mm. considering they're trying to keep it in the real real world, like, it almost like it turns, it, it's like now, what, the A-team, they're going to be on the run every issue? It's kind of <laughs> yes. ridiculous. 
Yeah, these college kids, they just, they're just happy to, you know, fuck up their lives to <laughs> hang around just on the chance that that one guy might be able to sleep with Jenny at some point. Yeah. Yeah, if we can help out, let's, let's, uh, <laughs> so they've all just ruined their careers. Yep. <laughs> they're, they're, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and so basically they just, they're like, hey, let's do the new universe. All these new exciting ideas. What should we do? Oh, let's rip off Iron Man and Alpha Flight. Let's do that. All right. Let's call it the new universe. Right. Let's do that. I don't know. So, uh, that's the thing. I mean, again, I I, I see some, the, some good in the, in the new universe, but I can also see why it completely failed. Yeah, it's not a mystery. Uh, right. All these... <laughs> I've only I've only read this in Starbrand, and so far it's not a mystery why it failed. Right. It's uh, pretty pretty bad. So we only got six more to go, Micah, and we'll be through the new universe. So that's right, and they're all on the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the uh, writing here, Conway, like we mentioned, it's it's Jerry Conway, and it's not good. Um, <laughs> what about what Wait, ab- you mean? It's Jerry Conway, <laughs> and thus it is good. Anyway, again, I've lost so much respect for Jerry Conway doing this show, and yes. uh, the art here, Herb Trimpey. I think the art here is actually pretty, pretty good. Herb Trimpey art. I think so I, too. I, yeah, yeah. Because uh, Trimpey, if you're not familiar, he's at best he's average. I think. Well, he's <laughs> he's kind of an unremarkable classic Marvel artist, in my opinion. Like I think he's good, but he's unremarkable. I, well, I want to call him classic Marvel because none of his stuff is dynamic at all. Like none of the action. Like well, his, when I like, say classic, like when I think classic Marvel, I'm thinking Kirby esque. Well, okay, you know? he's, but I, I think he is Kirby esque. He's just not as good. No, but like, <laughs> I don't think he's Kirby esque at all. Oh, in terms so. terms of the uh, compositions of his panels, the no, but his the storytelling, action. his storytelling is so good. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, his storytelling is yeah. fine, but uh, like at its best, he's average. And I think this is pretty solid work for him, though. Uh, I like Jenny. He makes Jenny look foxy. And I think I like Jenny as a character. Like, I could get behind her as a protagonist in a book. Yeah. But the troubleshooters are all, like, complete, like, cardboard cutouts. True. There's too many of them. There's five of them. That's too many. Right. Too many. Like, I, I don't know any of them, mm-hmm. you know? Um, well, yeah. And again, I can see why they were all killed off, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they were actually killed off or, or just gotten rid of, but okay. fingers crossed they were killed off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, again, I think that there was promise with all of these titles, but from what, what what I've read, it sounds like everything was rushed and last minute, and Tom DeFalco was supposed to do a bunch of stuff and he didn't. So again, all these ideas seem like written over a weekend. That's the problem. If the new universe never happened... Is Jim Shooter still editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics? <laughs> Maybe. Today. Could, like, yeah. was, this the, was this the reason why he got fired? Or would I, he have been gone anyway? I, I think it was a combination of this, but also there was new owners at Marvel. Yes. And they were probably just like, screw this guy. He's, you know, too powerful. He's too pushy. Let's just get rid of him. You know? This was probably... Because like we've talked about many times on this show... Behind the scenes, not a, very few of the creators liked Jim Shooter. True. Because he was kind of strict. Right. A bit of a taskmaster with right. the uh, creative. Uh, so this was probably like their excuse to finally get rid of him. Exactly. Like w- when this failed, they're like, all right, fuck you. You're out of here. Right, yeah, right, so. right. But, well, um, I can tell you, I, I was reading comics from around, you know, 1984 on, and I never had the slightest desire to pick up any of these comics. Maybe like one issue of Starbrand. <laughs> that was it. So. Yeah. 
I, I, I'm intrigued by Kicker's Inc. I'm intrigued. <laughs> you never know. Like I said, you never know what's coming. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. One out of ten, Mike Yells. Fire and the Troubleshooters. Okay, I got to give it at least a six because what? I am going to read the rest of the series. <laughs> oh, that's that's absurd. Yeah. What do you I give will it? give it a three to Ooh. commemorate the number of titles that it had in Ooh. 13 issues. Then I guess I give it a six uh, yeah. for the total number of troubleshooters, <laughs> including, well, including Spitfire. There and Jenny. Go. And yeah. Jenny, yeah. There you go. A little stinky. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, Spitfire and the troubleshooters. Woo! Another good one. So next week on the show, um, I like to do tie-ins, Michael, with okay. uh, things in the media, you know, popular. Oh, by the way, uh, did you watch What If? I did not. On the d- I watched episode one of What If, and I gotta tell you, it's very good. Really? Okay. Yeah. I'll check the it the out. animation is beautiful, and uh, the writing was solid, and it's got actual, like, uh, the actual voice of Haley Atwell. Wow. Okay. And that's all I need. Mm-hmm. Just the voice of Haley Atwell. Uh, so, yeah, a big thumbs up on What If, but we had already done a What If issue before with our buddy Miles Watson. Ooh. So, what else haven't we done recently? Black Widow. We never discussed Black Widow. I was actually thinking that too. Um, Didn't we do something with her? She was in an issue of Champions that we did. Okay, okay. But I wanted to focus on Black Widow. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. So next week, we will be doing, from 1983, Marvel Fanfare Issue 10. By George Perez, right? (laughs) That's right. Woo! See, so you're aware of this, because I wasn't even aware that yes. she was in Marvel Fanfare. Yeah, I, I believe it was like an unused miniseries they just released in Marvel Fanfare, right? Not sure, but I'll find out before next week. Very cool. Because I figure this will give us... Because if you want to talk Black Widow, uh, she started in the 60s with the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in the 70s, she was in like, what was it, Amazing Tales? Yes, yeah, something like that, yep. She was in like eight issues of that, but that book was split with her in the... Uh, Inhumans. Okay. And we already did, like, uh, the Inhumans one, so I didn't want to do one of those issues. So I wanted just a Black Widow one. But then, uh, I guess she was in an, ep- an issue, uh, I think Amazing Spider-Man 86 in 1970, I almost picked. Really? But I, it's where she debuted her new costume. Okay. Her modern costume. But I figured, I figured, oh, you read enough Spider-Man, so I won't go there. <laughs> then she was in a bunch of Daredevil stuff. Right. But we've already done two Daredevils, so I'm like, all right. So I settled on Marvel fan because we've never discussed Marvel fanfare and like what it was. Right. So we can do we can talk about that as well. Good point. And I, and just uh, for you, Mike, and for the kids out there, if you want to read this Marvel fanfare issue ten, there's also a backup story. I don't know. It's like something out of the Jungle Book. Don't bother with that. Just read the Black Widow stuff. Are you saying right? you've already read it? No, I flipped through it. Okay. Um, but don't don't even bother oh, with that monkey shine. Oh, but it's drawn by Gil Kane, so I will be reading it. I don't. It. <laughs> yeah, but we'll be discussing the Black Widow all right, stuff. All right. All right. So. All right. There you go. So uh, another episode of Flea Market Fantasy. Every week we do a different Bronze Age comic. One week I pick. One week Mike Dell picks. Our episodes are all available on Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts under Comic Book Syndicate. You can also follow us on um, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook and the Comic Book Syndicate website. So until next Tuesday, disperse!